This is the Coach's Wife Life Podcast, where Kristen Urgel, a longtime TV sports reporter and college football coach's wife, goes one-on-one with her fellow coaches' wives. We will uncover the stories of the strong women who are the backbone of college athletics and athletics of all levels. And now, Coach's Wife Life. Coach's Wife Life is brought to you by Ruler of Hope. Ruler of Hope is a nonprofit with the mission of providing support and research for medically fragile children. You can partner with the organization to make a difference for a child battling a critical illness by making a tax-deductible donation at rulerofhope.org. I'm so excited to have Danielle Austin. Danielle is the wife of Jason Austin, assistant football coach for Social Circle High School outside Atlanta, Georgia. Thank you so much for being a part of us. Thank you for having me. Okay, for those of us that don't live in Georgia, I have a lot of listeners in Georgia, but for those of us who live outside, what is it like? What's high school football like in the Peach State? High school football in Georgia is one of the rare times you can experience all four seasons in one sport. You go from summer to fall to maybe a little bit of spring into the dead of winter. Hmm. But you love it. You absolutely love it. I actually have never seen a Friday night game in Georgia. I mean, is it where the town shuts down and everybody's there? Is it, is it true what they talk about? Absolutely. Absolutely. Everybody in the community comes out. They support the team. And from the band to the parents, everybody is diehard school colors. They're all about the football team. Love it. Now we have a connection. Uh, Our husbands went to college together. Of course, I actually went there too. So my husband, Joshua, and your husband, Jason, (laughs) played football at the University of Memphis. Since then, this is pretty impressive. Jason now has 12 state titles in the state of Georgia from football and wrestling. The list of titles of who we, I'm just going to name them off. It's pretty impressive. Uh, Head middle school football coach, varsity football coach, varsity wrestling coach, head middle school baseball coach, and middle school athletic director. You don't really see him much, do you? No, I don't. I tease him all the time and ask him if he's trying to tell me something. (laughs) And he doesn't, (laughs) he doesn't take very kindly to that, but I have to gig him when I can. Oh, um, yeah. He stays very busy. He, um, but coaching is in his blood, and that's definitely what he was made to do. So it's nice to see him do something that he's so passionate about. What type of impact do you get to see him make uh, on a firsthand basis with those young men? Well, um, I had an interaction with some of his middle school players the other day, and I think this speaks to the heart of the kind of coach that Jason is. Um, they had the high school was having a Friday night lights thing where the the varsity boys could go out and play for their parents. And it was kind of like an exhibition. And um, some of the middle school players were sitting in front of me and I asked them, I said, do y'all play middle school football? And they were like, yes, ma'am. And I said, what do y'all think about coach Austin? And their faces just lit up Mm -hmm. and they said, Oh, we love coach Austin. I said, is he ever mean to you? And they're like, no, ma'am, we (laughs) love him. And they were just, They were so genuine and they, it just, you could see it all over their faces and it melted my heart. And he just, we have had players call us and ask us if they could live with us. We have had players, we could be on vacation somewhere and some player that he has had from 10 years ago, yell at him from down the beach and they come and give him a high five, a big hug and talk to him for 30 minutes. And it Mm -hmm. just, it really warms my heart to know that he is making that kind of impact on 
young men who are so impressionable and they need somebody like that in their lives. They absolutely do. I think that not to tell everybody how old we are, but we've been doing this long enough now where, you know, his players are now graduated college. Some of them are married and kids. It's so neat to see the full circle when they come back, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. Now, did you grow up in North Georgia and did you ever think you would be a coach's wife? I did grow up in North Georgia. Um, I graduated from Jackson County High School. So um, Jason and I have known each other all our lives. I never knew I was going to be a coach's wife until Jason and I went out on our first date. And I think it was pretty instantaneous for him and for me that we knew that that was pretty much it after our first date, that we were, we were going to be together forever. And um, I knew that coaching was what he wanted to do. So I knew that that, that was what I was going to do was be his wife and be a coach's wife. So. Now, you have one amazing son, Jackson. Tell me a little bit about Jackson. Well, Jackson is 16. He is he is our honeymoon baby. <laughs> <laughs> he was our surprise. Um, he is spoiled rotten, the light of our lives. Um, and he is the starting center for the varsity football team at Social Circle. Wow. Wow. And I'm sure we'll hear the rest of his story in a few minutes, but that right there, I already know a piece of it, but that's, I'm getting a little teary. He's starting to, Mm -hmm. I said, that's pretty special. Um, Yeah, it is. In his 16 years, he has overcome more than a lot of people do in a lifetime. Mm -hmm. He sure does. More on that in a minute. Okay, so you have quite the career yourself. You're the county clerk in Barrow County, Georgia. How did you get into that career? It just kind of happened. <laughs> um, I graduated from UGA in 2003. Um, I initially went off to uh, Maryville College to play basketball, and I transferred to Georgia. Um, graduated from Georgia with a degree in sociology. Well, once I graduated, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So um, a job opened up at the town of Brazelton. Um, It was a receptionist front desk position. I applied, got that job, and I worked for the town of Brazelton for 10 years. Um, I started as a receptionist, um, ended up at the end of my 10 years, I was an executive assistant to the city manager, city clerk, organized special events, did accounts payable, um, helped the finance director, all kinds of things. So um, when I left the town of Brazelton, I came to Bear County, and I've been the county clerk there for six years. You'd be appointed, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an appointed position by the Board of Commissioners. I keep up with contracts. I do open records. I'm also the Keep Bear Beautiful director. Wear lots of different hats. Work as the executive assistant to the county manager. Um, do lots of different things. I love it because no day has the same tasks that I did the day before. No, not at all. I mean, that's that's an intense job. Are there some things yes, that you kind of do um, to handle that workload, be an involved mom? And then it sounds like Jason is involved year round with different sports. I mean, what are some things that you've done to try to handle that load yourself? Well, when Jackson was young, um, there's no way we could have done it without my mom. Um, 
she has helped us tremendously throughout the years and she even helps us tremendously now but she has always been um a very important cog in our wheel that helps us keep going um and i rely heavily on a planner um i am definitely a pen and paper kind of person i don't like um calendars on phones or anything i have to see it and write it and i feel much better being able to check things off my list and see what I have to do in front of me. I'm a planner by nature. Don't you love that beautiful check marks at the end of the day? If you can. Get that <laughs> yes. Are you a crosser outer or are you check check? I'm a checker. I'm a checker too. Yeah. 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 I love that. So definitely an organized day helps you for sure. I think mm-hmm. that in this business, um, you know, coaching, in general, it can present many types of adversity, but uh, what do you think is the toughest adversity that you and Jason have handled together as a coaching couple, and what did you rely on to get through those moments? Okay, this is going to be my toughest question. Okay. Um, The biggest adversity we handled was when Jackson was three. Um, He was almost four, a couple months shy um a little over a month shy of being four um he was diagnosed with ALL leukemia Mm. um he went through almost four years of chemo wow the first about 18 months were we went to um Eggleston Choa at Eggleston we went there every week Wow. For him to get um, chemo. Mm. Um, after that, we scaled back to a month, every month, you know, once a month. And then we scaled back to once every two months. Now we are down to, he's been um, in the survivor clinic. That's where we go now. We go there once a year. Um, we do that at Scottish Rite. Um Children's at Scottish Rite, and they check um, his blood cell counts. They check his heart every five years. They check his bone density, um, and there's other tests we have to do with his regular doctors: um, his eyes, his skin, um, his teeth. He has to go regularly to the dentist, things like that. But um, him. Having leukemia was definitely the toughest thing that we faced because um, it all started with a droopy eye. That's what I was. He woke went, up, yeah. What happened? How did you know? It. Um, he woke up on Jason's birthday in 2006 with a droopy eye, and wow. it, one day he was, you know, he had no symptoms, had no physical symptoms, and he woke up with a droopy eye. Like it was almost like somebody had punched him in his eye. But there weren't any bruises. His eyelid would just not open up the whole way. Wow. And um, so he started running a low-grade fever that weekend, and I gave him some medicine for that. That Monday, it still wasn't any better, so I took him to his pediatrician. She thought it could probably be um, a sinus infection, so she told me to give him Benadryl. I tried that for a week. It didn't get any better. Mm. So I called her back. I said, I'm still giving him Benadryl. What do, you know? What do you want me to do? She said, "Well, keep giving him Benadryl." So mm-hmm. I tried that for a few more days. That still wasn't working. 
over this same time frame, he had developed a crick in his neck and he had gotten to where he would not walk. He said that his toe hurt. Now, keep in mind, he is three, so he couldn't, he couldn't tell you very well what was going on. You know, you, you couldn't question him a whole lot because he would just repeat the same thing over and over. So we ended up taking him that next weekend to the emergency room because we went to leave church and he, he would not walk at all. He wow. would crawl. He had reverted back to crawling. Wow. So we took him to the emergency room. They did x-rays on his foot. They thought he might have a hairline fracture in his big toe on his right foot. So the next week I take him to um, the orthopedist. They do some better x-rays than what the emergency room could do. Um, they determined that he did not have a hairline fracture in his toe, but they were worried that it could be juvenile um, rheumatoid arthritis. Hmm. So then I make an appointment with a um, juvenile ophthalmologist. Hmm. So um, the earliest I could see us was the next week. So I go then to see the ophthalmologist, and he's poking his hand all in Jackson's eye, asking if that hurt. And he was like, no. And mm. he looked for There's particles that they look for in your eye. And um, he looked in Jackson's eye, and he said, well, I don't believe it's rheumatoid arthritis because I don't see any particles. And it would hurt in his eye if, mm. you know, he had any symptoms. So they ruled that out. So we're at Christmas. Wow. We celebrate Christmas and um, we go the day after Christmas back to the pediatrician and she just point blank says, I'm tired of telling you I don't know. So we're going to draw some blood out of the vein, rule out rheumatoid arthritis. Okay. So she accesses the vein and I go back to work. Jason and Jackson go home. Well, before Jason and Jackson get home, she calls Jason and she goes, has Jackson ever had any serious nosebleeds? And he goes, he's a boy. Of course he has. Mm -hmm. uh, he, she asked if he has any bruises and nosebleeds. And he goes, well, he's a boy. Of course he has bruises, but he's never had any nosebleeds. And um, she tells him that he is going to be seen by a hematologist and oncologist at Eggleston. Oh. And so Jason calls me and tells me that, and I have all these other questions and I'm badgering Jason and he's like, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't ask that. And so I spent all that afternoon trying to get back in touch with the pediatrician and she's seen patients. And finally at about six o'clock that evening, I get in touch with her and she said, we're going to get you in on the 28th. And the only reason we got in that fast is because she had done her fellowship at um, Eggleston with mm -hmm. the doctor that ended up being Jackson's oncologist. Wow. And they were able to get us an appointment. When we got to Eggleston on December 28, 2006, um, they, we went in and I remember like it was yesterday, I was, I had people asking me, you know, they knew we were going and they knew, I'm sorry, this always tears yeah, me up. I know. They knew you know, what we had been through and they kept asking me if I was nervous mm. or, you know, fearful. And I said, no, I don't feel like, 
you know, anything this serious is wrong with Jackson. And we went in and they gave me all these papers to fill out. And I started filling out all the people in my family that on my mom's side, like her aunts and all that had died from leukemia. And I just got overwhelmed. Mm. And so I went to turn it back in and the woman looked at me and she, she could see it written on my face and she just said, it's all going to be okay. Mm. And so we went back and they poked Jackson's finger and it wasn't, but a few minutes and the doctor came in and he looked at Jackson. Mm. He had, they taken his shirt and his pants off and he was sitting there in his diaper, Mm. in his diaper on the table. And he said, your son has leukemia. Wow. And Jason just, you know, Jason lost it. Mm. And I looked at Jason. I said, you have got to get out of here. You cannot do that mm. in front of Jackson. So he went outside and I was livid. I mean, mm. livid because of everything that my son had already been through. And yep. none of those doctors could tell us anything like that. And so I looked at Dr. Keller was our oncologist. And he was fabulous. Mm. I mean, just absolutely fabulous. And I said, how can you look at him without knowing any of his blood results and tell me that? And I have been to at least four doctors who could not tell me anything near that. And Jackson had what they call petechia all over his body. And that's little tiny blood busted blood vessels on his arms, on his legs. And by this time, um, he, he asked me, he said, the eye, he said, that started first. I said, yes. And he said, he can't, somewhere a joint doesn't work. I said, yeah, his toe. He won't walk because of his toe. Mm-hmm. And all of that was bunched up leukemia cells. Wow. That, that he said that that is how they, in babies who can't talk, when they quit moving, that's how they know that it's leukemia because they cry when you touch a joint. is, And that's why, because the leukemia cells get bunched up in joints. Wow. So um, we started a very intense chemo protocol. We were admitted to the hospital that day. Um, We got to come home on New Year's Eve. Mm. We were tucking Jackson in the bed when the fireworks went off on New Year's Eve. Um, He got his first injection of chemo in the spine Mm. at about 3 a.m. on December 29th. Mm-hmm. Um, he went through numerous bone marrow aspirates and spinal taps wow. um, I remember I toted around this Georgia bag that somebody had given me and it had his protocol that he was supposed to follow mm-hmm. and to begin with I had the doctors and nurses check off where we were you know that's the planner in me and um, eventually I quit doing that. Mm-hmm. But after Jackson was all done with chemo, um, our social worker from the hospital, I got a package from her one day at home, and it was two huge boxes of Jackson's medical records from the mm-hmm. hospital. And I stayed up all night long one night, and I read every piece of paper everything that he had been through. Wow. 
and it just when you're going through it you have blinders on you just want to get to the next step next the next day you don't want to think about two months ahead three months ahead the next year you just want to live one minute one hour at a time you do but looking at all that he had been through it just it broke my heart for him and at the same time it made me so thankful so very thankful because not all kids make it out on the other side like he did so my child is a living breathing miracle and I thank God for that every day he is wow that's a powerful story and you've inspired me I mean I shared this on my own testimony a couple weeks ago but how do you think all of this that you have watched, you've endured, you've served, how has it changed you? I think the biggest way it has changed me is I try to be more patient, especially with Jackson. You know, I fall short on that on a daily basis because, you know, you forget all those things in the middle of life and walking into a dirty room and clothes everywhere. But in the grand scheme of things, mm-hmm. I think I try to be more patient. But I think the biggest way that it has changed me is I don't worry about the small stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't worry about, and when I answer a rapid fire question at the end, mm-hmm. you'll understand. We, Jackson picked out our theme song, but. <laughs> we don't really worry about what other people think because we know what we think Mm -hmm. and we know what our character is. And when he said that to me, I think that that meant the most to me because what God thinks and what you know, how you, how you feel and how you're raised and what your character is, and that your word is good mm. to other people, that's all that really matters. You're right. You're right. I think so many times in this business, we can get so caught up on the image side, you know? How, yeah. You can on what everybody else thinks, the wins, the losses, the following, the, you know, who's the hottest coach here and there, and who's the next coach to make this thing. And, and it's not about that. No, not at all. Not even close. No. You said something to me a few years ago that um, we were sitting in Rendezvous Barbecue in Memphis, Tennessee, downtown. Do you remember that? (laughs) Yes, ma'am, I do. (laughs) Best barbecue in the land. That's right. (laughs) Uh, I asked you, and I was in the middle of our Landry War, so I don't know exactly what year that was, but it was a few years ago. I guess Landry was maybe, I don't know, three, four. I don't know how long that go that was. Landry's about to turn seven. But I asked you something because I was in the middle of kind of getting triggered by things that I would see on social media or people that would complain about having something hard. And it, it would fire me up. And I realized that I was bitter and that I was angry and... And so I just kind of said something like, don't you just 
get annoyed when people complain on social media about their life when it's just not as hard as what you faced and your immediate response you look up at me i'm sitting diagonal from you and you just said you just don't know what people are going through and you told me that you try to have compassion for people who may not have the exact hardship they may have something that you just can't see that they're battling and and this sent me on like a two-year, um, almost like an investigation of my heart where it was like, I'm not like that at all. It was like the first time I had seen that I guess that, that it was affecting me in one way specifically where I was, I was angry or bitter or something, you know? And I thought, I don't want to be that way. I want to have that response. I want to have when, you know... When somebody asks me in passing, the first thing that comes out of my mouth is compassion for others who may not, in my mind, deserve compassion. How in the world did you get to that point? I mean, what, what inspired you? What, how did you see it that way? Because my natural response was not to see it that way. Well, let me tell you, it took me a long time to get that way. Um. Before Jackson ever got diagnosed, um, I had thyroid cancer. Um, mine was easy. All they had to do was take my thyroid out, and I was done. Mm. Um, my dad died from cancer. Mm. Um, his was very quick. Um, they found his a spot on his liver and three months and three days later he was dead. Oh, wow. Um, I have all, I was a daddy's girl growing up. I love my mama. Wouldn't give me anything for my mama, but I, I was always a daddy's girl. And after my daddy died, I was bitter. I mean, bitter to the core. I did not understand why my daddy would take him at such an early age and there would be, you know, all these other evil people on the earth. Why could he not take them? Why did he have to take my daddy? I, that just did not, I, I could not comprehend it. And I, I say all the time that me and Jesus had lots of long talks mm. on that. And we did. I mean, I just, my mama and my daddy were supposed to grow old together and sit on the front porch and rock. Mm. And those plans just got shattered. And then Jackson got sick. Mm. And I hit my knees and I was like, God, what have I done? Mm. You know, why am I, what is this? Tell me how I can fix it. Whatever it is, tell me how I can fix it. So that's the place I was in mm. when Jackson got diagnosed. And not long after he was, he got diagnosed, we were in the hospital one time. And uh, at Eggleston, the, uh, the cancer kids have their own separate floor. So um, he was impatient, and I was in, I don't even think I've ever told anybody this story before. 
um, they have a little lounge area because, you know, sometimes when the kids are what they call neutropenic and their blood counts are low and they're running a fever, they're contagious, but they have to be in the hospital. So those kids have to stay in their rooms, but their parents, they can come out and update their pages um, on the website to keep family and friends updated. They had um, a kitchen in there for long-term uh, inpatient stays. Um, when Jackson was diagnosed, they thought he had a different kind of leukemia, and had he had that kind, we would have been in the hospital for six weeks right off the bat. Wow. So that's the kind of thing that patients are looking down the barrel of um, mm-hmm. with leukemia and all these other kind of cancers. But I was in the lounge. I was washing clothes or updating his page. or I was in there, and I was by myself. And in walks this woman, and I was crying. And she could, I guess, tell that I was a newbie. And she comes over and she starts talking to me and her son had um, a brain tumor. And we were, you know, I told her that Jackson was recently diagnosed and he was back because he was running a fever. And I was just frustrated, you know, and she was talking to me about, she had the best attitude, you know, smile on her face and, I just asked her, I said, how do you do this? You know, how do you, her her son had been in the hospital for almost three months. Wow. And I said, how, how do you do this? How do you keep going like this? And she goes, I'm just thankful for every day. And that, you know, that was her answer. I'm just thankful for every day. And I just kind of sat there and I remember thinking, I wish I could be like that. Mm-hmm. And when we started to leave, it was a couple of days later, they, um, her and her son were getting moved to pediatric ICU. Mm. And there was a saying on the AFLAC floor that once you get moved to pediatric ICU, you didn't come back. Mm. And that's a horrible thing to say, but it, most of the time it was true. And it was true in her case. Her son didn't make it. He died from whatever it was. But that interaction with her, it changed my whole outlook. So me saying that to you came from my conversation with her. Wow. And, you know, I never realized that my me saying that to you made such impact on you. It was just that, you know, I've learned that that's the way you have to look at it. You do. So, wow. That's where that came from. But, but it took me a long time to get that way. And it's taken me a long time to get where I am now, but it was what you said to me that just, I couldn't shake it. And every day I would think about your words and your interaction, the way you looked at me, I knew exactly like, I want to be that way. I'm not that way. I've got to get rid of this, you know, feeling I have of, you know, life's not fair. Why did this happen to us? You know, this is not fair. It's not fair to her. It's not fair to me. This is not how it's supposed to be. How do I just get rid of that? And, and, and just something you said set me on this course of, you know, um, 
God just revealing some things in me that I needed to work through. And I mean, you've had a huge impact in my life. You've had a huge impact. I hope you know that. Well, that's very sweet, but you've had a huge impact on mine. And, you know, I don't think people realize the impact of their words, good or bad, on people. And it can be so simple. Like I said, I I had no idea that that affected you the way that it did. And I don't think that woman, I don't know what her name is. I, I couldn't tell you what her name was, but she made such an impact on me in that lounge that day all those years ago mm. and it definitely made ripples and that is a neat thing to think about our words are so valuable you know good or bad mm-hmm. it can have such an it can it can send somebody on a course to to kind of get set free of things that they were just harboring inside that they're like hey that just revealed something to me that i need to change you know it can empower it can encourage words are precious mm-hmm. they are Especially when you're fighting battles, you know, when you're in the midst yes. of something, um, you know, you've, you've handled a lot, Daniel. I'm proud of you. Now, another tough question for you, which is you've been the backbone of Jason and Jackson. You're a strong woman. I mean, are there a few things you think you've done that has helped your family? Like all the while your husband's coaching football and wrestling and baseball, you know, it's year round. I mean, the the late hours are year round and you're raising him. I mean, are there some things that you think you might have done that's contributed to his success and y'all helping to stay focused as a family? I'm there. That's, I feel like that's my biggest thing is I'm there. Um, in the stands on Friday night, um, Jason always looks up there to make sure that I'm there. That is um, like his comfort blanket to make sure that he can see me and that I'm there. Um, I'm there for Jackson. He always knows that he look whenever the game's getting ready to start, he looks up there and makes sure that I'm there. Other than that, um, they always know that I will be there for whatever they need. If they, whatever it is, they forgot a uniform, they, they need something. They know they can count on me, but I don't feel like I do anything extraordinary. I don't feel like I go the extra mile other over and above what any other coach's wife would do. I mean, I'm running the race just like you would or another coach's wife would. We do what we need to do to make sure our coaches are taken care of and our children are taken care of. Other than that, I don't consider myself doing anything special. Looking now, starting center for the football team. I mean, Mm -hmm. When did he start getting healthy, and when did it he become a pretty solid athlete? He ended chemo in March of 2010. Um, he was off. He was considered in remission um, 21 days after he started chemo, but they they have a very strict protocol to follow with leukemia patients. So he had to do all of his rounds of chemo, and boys actually have to do an extra year of chemo because of their testicles. They say that if leukemia were to come back in a boy, that's 
generally the first place it would come back is in their testicles. Mm. So they have to do an extra year as opposed to girls. Wow. So um, he ended his chemo uh, March 1st of 2010. And he said the other day that we threw him a no more, ke- no more chemo party in March of 2010. And um, next year he will be chemo free for 10 years. So he said he wants a no mo chemo times two party <laughs> next year. <laughs> a big bash. <laughs> That's right. A big bash celebrating 10 years off chemo. So do you ever get emotional he, watching him play? It is very emotional. Um, he has had two concussions mm. playing football, which um, my mother does not like. She would be happy if he would quit playing football. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he loves it. He um, he doesn't really have a desire to play football after co- after high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm okay with that, but he loves it right now in the moment. So, um, and I love watching him play. It, he's really good at it. So he's worked hard to get where he is. Oh, yeah. The only true side effect he has had from all the nasty chemo that he was given is he has dropped foot in both feet. Um, he was given vincristine, which is a nasty chemo drug. That was the one that he was given the most often. And it has severely shrank his heel cords in both feet. So um, when you see him walk, he kind of walks like a penguin with his feet turned out. But when he runs, he runs with his feet straight as narrow. Wow. Um, and we went, when he was smaller, we went through occupational therapy. We went through physical therapy. We went through um, getting braces put on both feet that he slept in. Mm. And they kept his, um, the balls of his feet pointed out so that it would try and stretch his heel cords. Mm-hmm. But um, finally, the occupational therapist said, it, you know, if this is the only um, side effect from the chemo that we have, then we're doing good because evidently it has turned his his hips out and it's just more comfortable for him to, to walk that way. Mm-hmm. So um, we make sure he has good shoes during the day and, and, you know, he's good. So that's the only real side effect that he has. Right. That's um I just love hearing about his journey and what he's overcome. He's strong. Strong like his mama. <laughs> he is strong. <laughs> he is very strong. Those tough days though. We come home sometimes you don't win them all. The he comes home after a loss. Are there some things that you try to remind Coach Austin of? I don't think you ever call him Coach Austin, Jason. <laughs> some things you remind him of. Uh during those low days, during the ebb and flows of the highs and lows of coaching football? He had one of those today. He was not – they had a middle school game, and it didn't turn out the way he wanted it to. So um, I remind him that he's he's building character in those men. It doesn't necessarily always get reflected on the school board. And whether they come out victorious or they come out – not victorious. He's going to win with them in the end. Mm-hmm. And I know that's easier said than done on my part because I'm not the one who has invested all that time in them and want them to reap the benefits of their hard work. But 
I see the benefits of his hard work when I look at those boys in the stands, and they're so proud to call Jason their coach. He doesn't get to see that, but I get to see that. So all I can do is remind him of times like that when he's had a tough day and hope that it will build him up enough to get him through to the next good day. On the good days, do you guys have traditions after big wins? Is there something you cook? I know Jason's big into grilling, right? <laughs> Jason is big into grilling. He loves cooking on the big green egg. Um, I see those posts, and I'm like, oh, gosh, why can't we live next to the Austins? Why can't we be neighbors? <laughs> um, we have a tradition, win or lose, we have a tradition of I always have to go down on the field, and he always – he always has to get a kiss after every game. Win or lose, that has to happen. Um, Jackson has started a tradition after every home game, we have to go eat at the Waffle House. Yes. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know yes. how long that's going to last, but <laughs> that's Jackson's tradition. <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right. So, what are some of the ways that the two of you try to stay connected during the season? You'll have a date night? We do have a date night. In fact, we're having a date night this Friday night. Our okay. date nights during football season are going to scout other football teams. Yeah, they are. <laughs> That's hey, it's alone time. We capture it in, you know, love it. That's right. You do what you got to do. <laughs> yeah. Do you get any downtime? I mean, you work a lot of hours mom wife what do you do when you actually get a moment alone i binge watch my favorite shows on netflix what do you love mm, jason calls it renaissance stuff but i love <laughs> i love watching older tv shows like the crown or the Tudors or Versailles or Rain or stuff like that. Renaissance, I love it. What are, <laughs> what are some of the most rewarding aspects to you about being a coach's wife? Well, like I said earlier, the little middle school boys that I talked to, I, that facial expression they had was priceless. Um, the look on Jason's face when they have a big win, the pride that you can literally see on his face. And it's not necessarily because of something he's done. It's the pride that he's, he feels for what his players have done. He loves his players realizing a goal that he has helped them to achieve. And I just, that to me is so heartwarming and it makes me so proud for him because he has invested so much in those young men and that is what I love the most. Very, very special. 12 state titles. Do you have an all-time favorite coach's wife moment? Out of all those state titles, my favorite moment was when Jackson stepped on that field as a varsity player, and Jason was there to coach him. That's my all-time favorite coach's wife moment. After going through what Jackson had gone through, mm -hmm. even more special. Yeah. Okay, rapid fire. You ready? <laughs> I'm ready. Okay, what's the last book you've read? Ducks Can't Go to Eagle School. <laughs> okay. 
Coach Jason Austin surprises you and walks in the door with concert tickets. What would be printed on that ticket? Luke Combs. Yes. Everyone has a few things that might need replacing around the house. What's the ugliest thing you own? <laughs> a holy t-shirt that I love to sleep in. If you could have dinner with someone other than a family member, current or from history, who would that be? Winston Churchill. Oh, interesting. What makes you say that? Because I think he was an amazing leader, and I would just love to sit and have dinner with him. You get a night alone, what show would you binge watch? The Crown. <laughs> I can't wait for the new season to drop. <laughs> okay, you lock your keys in your car, your husband's at practice. Who's the first person you call? My mama. Yes. Do you call her more than one time a day? Oh, yes. <laughs> She like your phone call to work from work, middle work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if your husband wasn't a coach, what would he be? He would be something in emergency services, law enforcement, fire department, something in that line. Yes, I could see that. Okay. If your family had a theme song, what would that be? This is my fight song. Yeah. And that Jackson picked that out. Love it. If you had a superpower, what would it be? The power to heal. Mm. Yes. Without question. Thank you so much, Danielle, for sharing with us, for opening your heart, for inspiring us, especially me. This has been absolutely powerful. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you having me. I really enjoyed it. Make sure to subscribe to the Coach's Wife Life podcast. And for a replay of this episode or previous episodes, visit coacheswifelife.org and follow us on social media at Coach's Wife Life.